me too uh, i don't think it much matters okay here we go all righty hello everyone welcome back to the uh post credits podcast uh today we're going to be talking about uh gremlins the new batch and gremlins with me I want, gremlins too i'm matt peffler with me today is my co-host brian show how you guys doing i hope everyone's doing well um uh, with everything that's been going on, but I got to tell you, man, I, uh, well, as, as normal, I refresh my memory of these movies, like the day we're doing the podcast. And I watched this, this morning. It's really funny. Like there's so many gags, it's pandemonium. Um, I don't remember it being as clever as it is. Uh, but it's been, 10 easy 10 years since i've seen this one okay for me it was a lot longer um not between this viewing but i i picked it up i i I think in uh like meyer like a year ago it was like one of those five dollar halloween movies and it was funny because i was just thinking like you know i'd kind of like to watch gremlins 2 again because it's been about 20 years and um like yeah you know that, okay five dollars it's not the blu-ray but you know whatever and uh yeah no it's it's not bad it, it's definitely better than i remembered i mean i i remember the first one being the best one and i still think it is but the the second one is um it's kind of its own thing you know it's just kind of off the rails the first movie plays things a lot straighter and the second one almost feel like even though the gremlins were still crazy cartoon characters in that this is just straight up like a live action looney tunes cartoon <laughs> right and right. it almost feels like it takes place in a separate like side universe compared to the first movie even though it's the same people coming back right i mean for me i'm going to i'm going to go out on a limb I, I like this one better than the original um uh there's there's like the first one seems like it's a a very straightforward horror movie. That's kind of funny in certain scenes, you know, Mm -hmm. this one, I mean, it's really like when I say pandemonium, this is a very fast movie. It goes from kind of reintroducing everyone, all the main players in the movie. And then it's like, as soon as, you know, the Kremlin's, start appearing it's you know 100 miles an hour to the finish you know yeah Uh, and there's so many like little things that they did in the movie like hulkamania you know telling the gremlins in the in the theater of the movie you're watching to you know stop messing around like it breaks what is that called when it breaks the barrier it's a fourth wall break yeah like so like uh you know, Hulk or the, um, the Hulkster, uh, Hulkamaniac. Yes. Yeah. 
he's, you know, just like tearing off his shirt inside the movie theater. And, I, you know, I didn't remember. I remembered the shadow puppets, but I didn't remember the context of the shadow puppets mm-hmm. uh, when they were showing them in the theater. So little things like that. Um, how. Uh, oh, uh, the the fiance. What's her name? Um, she, uh, <laughs> her real Kate. Yeah. In the movie, her her, her real yes. name's Phoebe Cates. I wanted to say Phoebe Cates, but I was trying to remember the character name. Um, Cats. But Cates. it's really <laughs> it's really funny how um, they're trying to escape or come up with a plan right at the end of the movie of what to do because it's starting to rain outside. Uh, but uh, she goes into a nonsensical memory about that had something to do with. Uh, Abraham Lincoln <laughs> it goes on for far too long and they're like okay we gotta go you know yeah. like enough with your story it was it didn't reference anything not that I'm aware of uh, uh, Lincoln's birthday but it, it was kind of a reference to the similar part in the first movie where she just starts talking about spoilers Santa Claus isn't real and how she found out because like, her father <laughs> fell down the chimney okay. so she goes down this like dark memory and it it almost like it, it's a great point in that movie because it's like whoa and what did i walk into um but it, i i like in this one it, it, how they kind of acknowledge that and you can see billy and mr futterman in the background like you know we don't have time for this like just move it along just move it right. along <laughs> right. um there's a bunch of clever little nods to the first film like that um because like when they're introducing the clamp tower that he wants to tear down you know they they mention um self-cleaning ashtrays and i kind of felt like that was kind of a callback to his father's the inventor's um smokeless ashtray right maybe i'm reading too much into that maybe not um you know but then there's a scene in the control room where billy's trying to tell him the rules and and they're just giving him you know, the, the hardest time where it's like, you know, what if they're on a plane and they cross a time zone? Isn't, isn't that after midnight? Right. Like what if he gets food stuck in his teeth, you know, like, yeah. and it dislodges and goes down his throat, you know, like yeah. after the, midnight. The only rule apparently that those were, uh, <laughs> is, is sunlight apparently because it's always after midnight. And there was a couple of times where like the gremlins are drinking, you know, like a martini or even on the cooking show, the one pops out of the pot, the the one with the goofy eyes. Um, yes. <laughs> who, whose whole point in the movie is to just look ridiculous. Um, right. He pops out of the pot. So it's like, OK, he's in soup. Isn't he getting wet? And then when they drink right. something, isn't that getting wet? So I don't know. To me, like. The the rules were very they were kind of fast and loose. Very fast <laughs> and loose. Rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, uh, starts out kind of heavy though with with the old man dying and then Gizmo yeah. losing his home and the wrecking machine comes in and you know it's like oh man <laughs> like. The, the cutest and, thing in the world is having the worst time. No right. one's out there. Get, Big cruel world. Get, yeah, they get captured by those ginger twins. That and guy. I find them to be the most annoying people to grace us with their presence in cinema. 
Like, I just want them to die a horrible death each wow. time I see them. Like, I wish every they're so annoying to me. Like, I wish that they got the spear through the eye in every movie like they did in Terminator 2. I can't stand them. And their stupid little smiles with their ginger mustaches and their stupid glasses. Like, get the hell out of here. Wow. <laughs> like, so, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry they hurt you. I, I don't I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't have any animosity towards them. I, I, I don't think they're great, but you know, I thought it was a fun appearance and I, I didn't remember that they were in Terminator two until seeing it this most recent time where you just had that kind of like, they, they, who is that? That looks familiar. And, and, and they then, were in Hellraiser bloodlines and it's all the same shtick. They can't like the, double the, sp- the person, the space. It's one. like, Oh, we, Huh? bloodlines that was the space yeah one, right? the space one with the cube in the space and the time traveling not time traveling thing but like flashback bullshit yeah, whatever okay. uh-huh. uh but yeah i can't stand them sorry to bring that up i might fix on the i mean it, and then when they were like dancing like gizmos dancing so they're doing their little bob or whatever it's like oh, god but whatever <laughs> sorry Okay, uh, that's my only dislike of this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, take that slice um, of life. Right. Oh yeah, that was really clever too. And then it was like, what did it say? Something about jeans. The slice of life shop. It said the the tagline was like, um, something to do with jeans, but it was like, you know, the like the uh, you know, DNA jeans. Uh, but it was a clever uh clever tagline but now i can't remember it yeah i i couldn't read the back of their uh it it was embroidered on the back of their lab coats and i i couldn't read it i was looking to see uh, if if that was on the back of christopher lee's coat just because he was the boss and i just felt like the boss wouldn't bother with that kind of stuff uh i guess what do you mean I'm kind of, I kind of got lost there. Like the name well, tag. it's just yeah, it's just because he's so serious and and having the splice of life name on the back of, of his uh, coat there. I, I just I I was I kept looking to see if it was on the back of his coat and I never managed to catch it. Um. Oh, okay. You know, like if that was just something that the peons wore. You know, like the the flare at Bennigan's or something. <laughs> right. Flare. Oh man. Uh. Yeah, I had to wear a flare for a little while. So, well, it, it, it was annoying the 90s. part of being a server because this was 91 and, and, yeah. you, and you can or no, it was 1990 and you can tell because yeah. there's double breasted suits everywhere. What's crazy is like, you know how like movies, even though like you might not know what year they came out specifically, it always looks like it's from the 80 or, you know, from the from a specific era. And it just. It's awesome to me that even though this was like in the 90s, right before things started getting like super wacky, uh, it still looks like an 80s movie. You know, uh, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem so. I mean, it was like six or seven years between Gremlins and then this one. But still, uh, the, it, you know, six or seven years between a movie can really um, make the series disjointed. Uh, but it it didn't. At least to me, like it still felt like it was part of, you know, a natural progression of where the characters were when we left them to this one. You know, uh, it didn't seem too out of place. Which I enjoyed. Uh, um, 
there's so many there's i forgot how many people were in this it was awesome seeing christopher lee uh as a scientist in this one um and then uh there's a small cameo of uh tuco from breaking bad the first kind of uh cartel gangster that uh walter white and jesse pinkman come across to sell their meth right uh he was uh it was just amazing to see that i was like oh he looks really young and not like a psychopath. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause watching Breaking Bad, I, I just got the impression that like he was in his mid twenties that, you know, he was just one of those like just out of college age people. So like he was on this, you know, street tough and everything, but like, wow, no, that, what was he in his forties then? Is Tuco running yeah. around? Tuco? Yeah, yeah, I would say he was in his 40, like mid forties. And that guy can um, still party. I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, the creativity with all the gremlins this time around <laughs> did, was did freaking great. There, there was a key and peel sketch. Um, no, I, okay. I it kept popping up because I was like, you know, YouTube and Gremlins too to see what I could find, and it kept, I didn't end up watching it. I should have, but it's, uh, it's pretty good because there's this whole like it's this pitch meeting where they're they're just like brainstorming Gremlins too, just going around the room and they're just throwing out all this stuff. And and to say it literally, it feels a lot dumber than what wound up in the movie because like the sketch works it, and it's really funny, but it, it kind of makes it seem like gremlins 2 actually sucks when it you know that's really not the case <laughs> but it's just when you say it out loud like when you're talking through the plot of like you know bat gremlin electric gremlin it's like hang on hang on a minute the vegetable gremlin like yeah. the salad gremlin yeah spider gremlin uh, i mean like a spider catching pretty ladies in the web in a building tower done it's in the movie okay i have to watch it yeah it's pretty Uh, good i like them i like that group like their comedy is really funny um so i have to check that out what was your favorite new gremlin like the because it was pretty diverse yeah the different types of gremlins yeah this time around um i i always like brain he was cool i i didn't realize that that was tony randall we did the voice of that. Um, he was cool. The the vegetable gremlin was just kind of a sight thing. They didn't really do much with him. Whereas like all the other like gimmick gremlins kind of got a scene. Uh, right. But I, I kind of like the Phantom of the Opera gremlin because I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Totally forgot okay, about there's him. There's so many like little scenes that just they don't need to be in the movie like that one where he gets his mask taken off and he's just walking towards the other gremlin, you know? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't it that and, didn't and need to be in there, but it's such a cool scene. Kind of funny th- thing to see. Right. And it's almost a perfect recreation of that. Lon Chaney one <laughs> yeah. just with puppets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, oh, man. I really like the spider uh, gremlin the best. I thought that looked really cool. That thing is um, terrifying. Absolutely it really terrifying. Is. I, I, <clears throat> I remembered it being a bigger part of the movie than it was. I, I don't know why that was just my recollection because basically it shows up and then 20 seconds later, Gizmo kicks open a grate, 
burns it <laughs> burns it to death right. and then that's it it's done for <clears throat> um i mean maybe they just did that because it was <laughs> too hard to puppet i don't know how many people it took to operate that thing but uh man was it terrifying looking though god this the stuff uh, stuff of nightmares uh rick baker was saying that um the you know for every animatronic there was at least one hole like so one gremlin had a hole in the set you know where the animatronic the puppeteers would sit underneath and control everything Mm -hmm. you know and he said you know a lot of the stuff we did was on the fly you know so the at the the end of the shoot the set really just looked like a big pile of swiss cheese oh it's like yeah they would move the character the gremlin like oh we don't have a hole here we're just gonna drill one (laughs) you know well, oh, so that, awesome. that lobby scene must have been uh, like a big game of whack-a-mole then because there's like. I got a question about at least that. Over I was wondering 50. if you knew. Yeah, I was one because when I saw that scene, you're kind, I kind of like was like, oh, my God, that's a lot of gremlins, you know, because it's above shots. So you're seeing them all. Mm-hmm. Would they have been able to just uh, do it in segments like kind of like what we can do now digitally? where they would take like a smaller segment, but then like make it a pattern or were those all gremlins? Well, like uh, they, I, I suppose it's possible that they did like the corner and then took those puppets and then moved it up to the upper corner and then kind of patched that, that together. But I, I, I wasn't really looking. I didn't see a seam because right. there, there's so much overlap because they're bouncing around and doing all their weird that's probably all it was was just people like holding these silicone puppets on a uh, or, or foam latex puppets on a on a stick and just kind of shaking them around that's certainly what it looked like when the one bit christopher lee and he's kind of doing that thing in um like in ed wood where where uh bella lugosi's like fighting the octopus just shake it around looks like he's fighting you <laughs> <laughs> you know i've never seen ed wood oh so. man that's great that's that's uh, my I, favorite I, tim burton movie i think i think Real? I didn't even know it was Tim Burton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Tim Burton fan. I really like Big Fish and obviously like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, but he can be kind of a hard pill to swallow, you know. Uh, but I'll check out it, uh, Ed Wood. Do you know if it's on like any any streaming service right now? I do not. You know, uh, speaking of streaming service, I almost had to rent this one again. I almost did it because like I texted you. I was like, oh, it's on Shutter. You can use a free trial if you want, if you don't have the movie or something like that. Okay. And so I went to Shutter. It's taken off Shutter this morning. I'm like, <laughs> are you like kidding? Within the week? <laughs> yes. Like that happened with a uh, 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 license to kill as well. Luckily, it was on HBO Max. So God bless HBO Max. I didn't have to buy another movie that we were <laughs> that we were about to talk about. So so, so speaking of uh, Ed Wood um, and Rick Baker, he also did the uh, makeup effects for Ed Wood. Oh, OK. And not not that there's like, a, you know, it's not like Gremlins where it's uh, just this feast of crazy puppets. Um, but there is a really cool old age makeup that he did to make uh, Martin Landau look like Bella Lugosi. And I, oh, that's cool. I, I want to say he he was at least nominated, might have won the Oscar for that. 
uh, for special effects makeup, which most people know was invented the year that American Werewolf in London came out. And he was the first recipient of that. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, and deserving. Uh, um, American Werewolf is great. Uh, so that's that's awesome. The this whole Gremlins, this sequel reminds me of Die Hard. Uh, to be honest with you, um, the it's almost the exact same plot, but with uh, terrorists in Die Hard and Gremlins in this one. But it all takes place in a building and, you know, there's good people stuck inside <laughs> trying to, you know, uh, survive the night you know, uh, or the day. Uh, it's pretty interesting how similar both those movies are. Uh, and only like two years apart. Uh, Die Hard was 88 and this was 90. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't really feel they're that similar. Um, I really? mean, I, I, you don't think outside, so? outside of just people stuck in a building. <laughs> um, one, uh, so this, when it came out, didn't do as well as Gremlins. And um, this is a, what I found to be a really silly reason. And I think one of its major contributors is that Warner Brothers opened this movie directly against Dick Tracy. And do you remember how big Dick Tracy was? I mean, like that was a it was kind of everywhere movie everywhere. That's yeah. Like you couldn't get away from it. And they did that. Because Warner Brothers wanted their Batman movie from 89 to have the box office record to maintain like the highest grossing movie of theirs. I mean, isn't that like a silly reason to um, because wouldn't you want all of your properties to make the most amount of money possible? I don't but understand then to, like, why perfectly you hamstring self-sabotage like that. That doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, uh, so, you know, I had a lot of competition and then, you know, uh, I, I can guarantee that with how big Dick Tracy was, uh, that more money was definitely put into like advertisement of Dick Tracy over Gremlins too. Um, now Dick Tracy was also a Warner brothers movie. Yeah. Yep. See, that doesn't make so, any sense either. Why you would open two of your own movies in direct competition with each other that just seems like a recipe for failure like something's gonna fail we don't know what it is well i mean it was uh it was gremlins too like it did significant i mean it was still a, a successful movie for sure but it did do significantly less than uh the first gremlins um even with all of their like advertising tie-ins or merchandise or whatever, you know, cause it's like they, they reference something that I remember seeing as a kid in the movie and it's right at the end. And it, the, the clamp is talking about how he wants to see gizmo with like suction cups on his arm, but he's like a stuffed animal version. So like oh, people yeah. could put it in their car window, you know? Yeah. Real, real. I remember seeing right there. that. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that. Uh, but it's something that they talked about. So they were like already had the merchandise train going, you know, uh, before the movie came out. Um, I, I feel so. like that was about it, because all, all I remember was uh, very, very cheaply made gizmos. 
at uh, like Hallmark stores. So they're like these plush gizmos, and there were the there were the ones with the suction cups, like you're talking about, and uh, the video games. I, I remember those, which were yeah. I, I don't remember those being that great. I don't remember playing any of them. I remember seeing like the the box art uh, for for the video games, but I don't, I, I can't remember playing any of them. You know. Uh, I guess you're right. Like, I don't remember too many other things or other tie ins, you know, because it's like you think of other movies and it's like everything you could possibly think of. They have it, you know, but Especially I don't remember today. much. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny seeing like movies from, you know, the Spielberg Zemeckis, you know, uh, George Lucas group, because I feel like a lot of their movies are like vessels to sell products from their friends movies, you know, like. In E.T., there's like, you know, Star Wars pajamas and pillowcases and like bedspreads and shit like that. You know, like it's uh, it's weird to see that because it's like they're all in the same group, you know, and they all work together, I think, loosely. But, you know, they're all trying to we're more or less trying to support each other or, I mean, contractually obligated to support each other. Who knows? But it's it just seems interesting that. Yeah, there was everything for everything. But now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Gremlins might not have had that much. Well, so the Star Wars thing in E.T. definitely fits very organically because, A, it was hugely popular at the time. And then, B, you know, we've got a movie about space aliens. So, you know, it kind of organic. Yeah. Like it wasn't crowbarred in there where it's like we're going to put Hulk Hogan (laughs) in the Gremlins movie. (laughs) Right. Because those things go Um, together. (laughs) <laughs> it was yeah that, that, i love that scene um uh the uh the electrical gremlin i thought was real i mean pretty poorly done but you know for the time uh but i thought like that was a cool idea it's like how do you kill a gremlin that's just a part of electricity now he's literally lightning you know uh that was really cool trap him in the phone put him on hold <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Uh, to me, it doesn't. Uh, but sure. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the movie going at a breakneck pace, like what is the time frame that this is supposed to take place over? Because the first movie, th- there was a gestation period where Gizmo ate and then like the next day they found him and then they were kind of watching those eggs for a while and then they took one to the science teacher and, you know, so that that was like over a couple of days before one hatched. And in this one, the uh, the Mogwais are just instantly born, instantly evil. Um, full size, <laughs> like they just emerge out of the drawers in full size. Yeah. Uh, th- then almost within a couple of minutes they're in eggs already hatching fully grown well, I gremlins think it was more or less in splice delighting in there drinking because well because Bill, billy goes out to dinner and then by the time right. he gets back like <laughs> futterman's showing up at 10 o'clock at night and then they, they right. have to go but back then he to gets the office arrested. he gets arrested by that security cop and it's like after his arrest it's the next day so you the know, following so, morning. 
Yeah. Yep. And that's when they go back into the building to try to find the the eggs. And that's where the um, or not the. They're, yeah, uh, cocoons, I guess. Um, and that's where the cooking show sequence begins, mm-hmm. where there it's just the three of them. And then, you know, pandemonium, <laughs> you know, uh, the the hatching of the gremlins on the back of the gremlins is so disgusting like it's so gross uh (laughs) the slime and like the oozing and then the little gremlins in there like flipping around and stuff oh my god see i don't have as much a problem with that i i think it's a little creepy on gizmo when they're popping out of him because it looks like his like under the fur it almost looks like his skin's boiling yeah yeah that's i mean i i thought the same thing when i saw it that it looks like his skin's boiling but but you don't see what's happening to his skin because of the fur but then on the gremlins it's like oh yeah that's start popping out of there oh so okay so the time wasn't as badly abused as i thought um not quite the level of like alien versus predator, but still very drastically accelerated. Yeah. Cause they just yeah. go to drink. Cause from there they come back and they're already in the lab drinking all the hormones. And it's like a mm-hmm. matter of minutes, a matter right. of not even minutes, like seconds. that <laughs> They're just uh, the brain guy's smart. Oh, that guy's growing wings. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, their uh, secondary mutation, I guess, yeah, happens almost instantaneous. Like the um, the arachnid gremlin, you know, you see him in the hallway before he turns and he barely gets any of the vial in his mouth, you know, but then it's uh, you just see a shadow of growing legs, you know, yeah. uh, so it happens very quickly. Um, Mohawk was cool. Like, I, I thought Stripe was <laughs> pretty mean. Mohawk is just, man, what a bastard. It's just like next level. And and he's scary looking, too. Like, it's, it's a pretty gnarly design on him. Like, way more than the other ones where, you know, they, they all look like monsters. It's not like any of them look cuddly. But he's just so next level with it. It's like the paint application and then like his eyes are on fire. He's just got like the crazy eyes. Right. Right. And then he has uh, to be the most terrifying mutant on top of all. Of course, why not? <laughs> right. I thought the animations uh, or not animations uh, like the puppeteering facial effects for the gremlins were so much better in this one than the first one. Um and I guess that comes from uh, when they had close-up scenes, the animatronics were like twice as large. So Gizmo was twice as large as you would see him with like some other person that allowed them or with an actor, but that allowed them on close-ups to be have more detail. Mm-hmm. Like when the brain is talking, you know, his mouth movement is like matching what, you know, the voice acting. You know, even like subtleties of like the gremlins lips moving. 
Uh, I thought that was really impressive, like the blinking and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, know. I'm sure the extra size also helped with like, you know, whatever cables were running in there. And, um, I, you know, when, when Rick Baker retired, there was a auction house that put a bunch of his, uh, cause he, he kind of went through a shop and put a bunch of that stuff up for auctions. So like American werewolf, uh, there was a couple pieces from there, um, Wolfman, you know, things that they had shot and, you know, used, but then they just wound up reshooting and doing CG over, but there was a lot of gremlins two stuff in there as well. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, that stuff's all way too rich for my blood. I, I can't afford any, you know, a couple, <laughs> couple thousand dollars on some of this stuff, but the, um, I've got a bunch of pictures I saved of it because it's like the stunt suits that they had where they, you know, put them on people <laughs> for okay. like walking around and uh, some some of it was a little bit broken down. But, uh, you know, some of it I, I think had been restored. Um, so you, you could kind of see it just kind of crudely, you know, like a, the puppets would be kind of you know, if it wasn't a full body shot, like you're talking about it, it'd be, um, from the waist up and they just kind of like have it kind of crudely planted into a block of wood. And then you could just see like all the cables running out the back of the thing. So that was really cool. Was but it any, excessive? Like, was it a lot or I'd, I'd have you know, to dig I, into my, um, archive and I, I don't want to do that while we're talking because you hear a bunch of, you know, click, click, click and you know, stuff like that. I don't, I don't even know if I have it on this computer. So I, I don't okay. want to annoy people with that, but I, I think it was pretty basic. And I think okay. they kind of came in with like fishing strings uh, to um, like fish poles to kind of move, help the arms move a, a little bit to marry oh, okay. around. Um, okay. Because a lot of the full body shots, I, I noticed it was puppetry. Like it wasn't stop motion. It was puppetry. But then you could tell that there it, it was an overlay because the color wasn't yes. quite right because you, you kind of see the density shift of the film from being double processed which it was kind of a mark of that era before you know you could just drop something in perfectly like like with the the, the digital stuff of of today um but the faces i i don't know i couldn't see any of the mechanisms on the faces so i can't answer okay. that question okay that's so that's my um, long meandering answer for that. <laughs> uh i really uh clamp um i want to talk about like their logo not the guy just the logo for a minute i just think it's a really clever design to have this uh character who's a combination of donald trump and like turner uh what's mm -hmm. his first name like turner. from turner brock yeah ted turner and his logo is literally a C squeezing the world, right? Yeah. Uh, I just thought that's that's perfect, right? You know, because that's what these all-powerful, super rich people can do with their wealth is kind of put a clamp down on certain things. And I thought that was actually a perfect logo design for a character such as Clamp. Okay. Even though by the end of the movie, he's kind of a, a likable guy. Like easily persuaded on things, but oh, not yeah. as a uh, just whatever way the is... wind's blowing. Hey, that's great. <laughs> right. Let's do that. Yeah, get rid of those trees, though. But he did. Yes, he didn't seem like he was a uh, necessarily 
evil type of person, you know, uh, uh, I didn't get that feeling by the end yeah, of it. Yeah, and you know and that that's kind of comes into conflict a little bit with um, the way his like Robert Picardo his his num his main underling was kind of running the show. Cause, right, because he was you know like you can't have that plant because it's not approved. That drawing right. not approved. You know, it's like you know, and in direct contrast, we have this, this approved artwork. That's. <laughs> This most pretentious piece of artwork's just geometric shapes. That we you know? paid a lot of money for you to enjoy. <laughs> so you're going to enjoy it, darn <laughs> right. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and then contrasted with, you know, th this almost kind of innocent, childlike, you know, guy. Because <laughs> he's just yeah, kind of like yeah. sitting around, like tapping his desk, like... What to do? What? To, oh, hey, memos, yeah. memos. We need memos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, he goes to escape, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I can use my secret escape." <laughs> you know, like he's super excited. You know, for these, like, he understands. Like, I just thought it was this awesome juxtaposition that you know, Billy's telling him everything that's happening, and he's getting super worried. And then he, Billy tells him the plan. And then his face lights up because he can use his, his, his secret escape hallway. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, that's kind of a perfect character. Like, uh, you know, uh, more you know, not trying to do harm, but also an idiot at the same time. You know, uh, I don't know. I ended up liking him as a character. Usually, in characters like that, uh, I have a hard time with them because their their power breeds a lot of like irreverence to certain things that are happening, you know, and him on the other case was, or he was trying to make the best of it type of situation, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. I really liked him. Um, but, uh, um, what, what'd you think about, uh, his other underling there, the, the smoking lady? She, uh, I had, uh, she was kind of frustrating for me at times, um, but not necessarily the character It was more of her accent uh, that she was using that kind of like fake New York accent, I guess. Um, yeah. The whole movie's New York, but she's the only person with the thickest New York accent. Yeah. And like some of her actions were like really obnoxious and I don't, it's hard to like, it's, it's weird to say, uh, her attitude wasn't realistic because we're in a, a spoof parody type of, you know, movie. Right. But I just don't I have never come across anyone that has behaved like her before. Like so she's Billy's direct superior. And he gets in, he like. Come or gets recognized by Clamp. Right. So now by proxy, she wants to boost up billy because that would be also good for her right and then she does this by taking him out to a dinner and you know like really wanting to you know win him over on like a sexual level and i'm just like i don't know maybe that does happen but i don't know it just seemed unrealistic like her the way she was going about doing it just seemed very odd um, and so, but it was also, and I understand it was probably a joke, but it was hard to get past her accent, you know? Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What what were your thoughts on her? I, I just think, you know, we're kind of analyzing that character through the lens of 2020 where the world's changed so much. And uh, I don't know. I, I keep, th- you know, she's got some of these slimy actions and, um, you know, like you were saying, uh, trying to ride his coattails, but kind of screw him over at the same time, but take maximum credit for everything that he's doing. And I, I kept thinking back to the the line in the first one from... Um, Billy's rival at the bank there or didn't he say something along the lines of like, you know, that that's life in the big city, Bob, something like that. Right. When right. he screws him over out of something at the bank, you know, and then I, I just keep thinking back to that line where it's, it's like, okay, the, this is kind of like that version of that character, but in this setting. Okay. Okay. So like I said, yeah, okay. I can understand that. Um, I wish uh, Christopher Lee had like more of an influential part in this movie other than being, you know, the, the science, the main scientist guy behind like splice of life. Um, but, uh, you know, he, it's cool to see him just because of being a fan of, you know, him as Dracula and seeing him in this type of role. But I, I do wish like he had something more to do. Uh, do you agree? Do you think it was more like it was cool to see him? But I don't know. I, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Christopher Lee as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just built a golden gun prop for my own personal collection because he was the man with the golden gun. That's such an iconic prop. But. Um, I thought it was neat for, for as many times as he played Dracula that he got to play Frankenstein for once (laughs) Um, so that was kind of cool i Um, i don't know it it felt about right i guess when when uh he came on to the movie he actually apologized to joe dante for being in the sequel to the howling because that's kind of a (laughs) famously awful movie and uh like yeah i'm sorry i was in this (laughs) Now, okay. Now, I've never seen. I, I I found that out too. I've never seen the first Howling. Is he? In, is Christopher Lee in that one? No, I I don't think so. I think he's only in the second one. Okay, okay. Which was like nothing like the first one. It, it wasn't it like werewolf bitch or something like that. Your sister's a werewolf. Okay. But I think it had an alternate <laughs> title of like, oh, did like it? Striba okay. the werewolf bitch or something like that. Oh, wow. Like it, like that might've been like it's German title or something. I, I'm now I'm really interested in seeing it. Like, why would they, why would they, what, what, what crosses their mind to think like, that's a really good first subtitle of a movie, but then have to change it to something that's equally awful uh surprise your sister is a werewolf <laughs> is that what it is no i i think i just think it's oh. your, your sister is a werewolf <laughs> okay uh yeah, yeah i, I don't know that. the the howling series is a whole different discussion um i i don't think many of those are connected outside of the fact that they're werewolves like every one feels like a reboot to the other one the, the first and the second one might be the only ones that have some kind of tangential connection, but then 
they're just it's just completely off the rails different you know uh the howling uh its sequels now is something that you know would just come on tv when i was a kid so i've seen bits and pieces of two through <laughs> whatever they ended on but i don't i don't remember anything there's like a hundred of those there's a lot there's so many howlings um but you know the the people keep talking about the first one so i eventually do want to see that one but i i'm kind of more interested to see uh two now because of you know christopher lee's apology to joe dante you know uh that that's pretty amazing i'm sorry i was yeah. in this piece of shit thank you for giving me a job yeah no it's it's really bad and and i think it's a case of somebody had just had the rights to the title and there was no connection oh. to the original movie. And it was, you know, kind of like Canon Films did. And they're just like, we're just going to produce this. And um, the the director, legend has it, uh, there, there was a point that he refused because they, they shot it over in like the Czech Republic. And, you know, like one of those somer, former Soviet uh, bloc countries. And... The, the, at a certain point, the director refused to work with their stuntmen because they had a scene where someone was going to be lit on fire. And they're like, okay, how are you going to do this? And I'm like, well, you know, we're just cover them in gasoline and set them on fire. And, and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, we'll come in and put them out when the shot's done. It's <laughs> just like, stop, wait a minute. And like from that point, you know, because apparently their value of life was so little over there. Um, oh, wow. You know, we're like, he probably would have survived, but not safely. So from that point, they only worked with the, the British stunt people, much to the chagrin of the producers who were, you know, more about the bottom line. But that's the howling, not not Gremlins 2. Um, <laughs> not Gremlins. Rick Baker did a phenomenal job with all these characters. And, and apparently somebody else had started the work on the movie. And then oh, really? he, he got a job as a director and it escapes me what movie oh, he um, went on. Home to. Alone. Home Alone. Uh, it was. Um, uh, what's his name? Because I, I just read this. Um, Wasn't that Chris Columbus? Yeah, he was. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right, but he was a part of Gremlins 2. And then had to bow out because of Home Alone. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, sorry. I derailed that. But like there's something there's a connection between, you know, uh, Chris Columbus leaving Gremlins 2 and starting Home Alone. So sorry, uh, but I don't that doesn't make sense for Rick Baker because Rick Baker is a special effects guy. Yeah. And Chris Columbus was a writer. I mean, pe people can be more than one thing, but I mean, so whoever it was, um, Rick Baker agreed to do the movie on the condition that he got to make each one of them look different. Yes. <laughs> and <Yeah>. what, <laughs> why would she, I, I can appreciate wanting to have, you know, more of a variety because the gremlins in the first movie were really just kind of all struck from the same mold. Like there was one gremlin. Yeah one design and they just kind of dressed it up like, you know, people putting clothes on, on their pet at, uh, you know, for the Christmas photo. But 
with the second one, just knowing the sheer volume of them, I'm sure there was a point where it's like, okay, you know, enough sculpting. We're going to just start throwing these into different shades of green because there's (laughs) only so many hours in the day. But the the ones that they do use, I I guess, you know, is is the hero characters where, where you can point to them like Mohawk. Mohawk is so super well developed. Greta, I think, is creepy as hell. People love that design. I I find it creepy. Um, it's super creepy. But she's very very well developed. Uh, whatever that goofy one is with with the googly eyes. <laughs> uh, that the uh, Daffy is the gremlin's name. Is that the official name? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, it was made after Daffy Duck. Okay, uh, meant so, to be like wacky and everything. So you that, know? so that, well, and that really drives home what we were saying there. Where it, like, it really is just a straight up live action Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes, but, yes. but live action. Uh huh. Yeah. But oh, now, speaking of the Looney Tunes, the um, original animator for Looney Tunes was into uh, went into retirement shortly before this movie started shooting. And they actually lured him out of retirement to do like the intro and then the ending, you know, with the car, like the title cards and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the original guy who did the Looney Tunes animations came back to do the Looney Tunes animations for Gremlins. Ah, good for him. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, too bad. I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Really dropping the ball on this one. I, uh, I I almost yeah, didn't watch the end bit. scene of that because I, I had forgotten that there was something after the credits. And then when I was watching it the other day, how the color kind of slowly changes. It's like, that's interesting. That's just kind of a weird choice. Like, so, so I kept watching the credits and, and apparently it worked because it's like, oh, my God, I totally forgot about this. But it makes sense. What to, happens to at book the end? In the movie. Oh no! What you well? So, Porky Pig comes in to, but that's all. And then Donald Duck's like, "Ah, "You've hogged the spotlight for sixty years. It's my (laughs) time." Finally, pushes him aside. Okay. So that so there yeah so there's the so it bookends the movie his animations. Okay. For some reason, I thought I was assuming that it was like just the animations like right at the beginning and then like some other animations to the rest of the movie. Not that there was like a post credit sequence, you know, uh, uh, right at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I feel like I, I need to go and watch that. Um, no, I'm, I'm not one of those people that actually uh, sits through credits. Uh, when they start rolling, I'm kind of like, all right, Movies done. Movies done. I did be in because of that knee jerk reaction. I've missed so many like Marvel post credit sequences or, you know, uh, stuff for the Godzilla and King Kong movies, you know, because I'm just like, all right, I'm out of here. You know, let's let's go. Take that. Uh, all you people who worked really hard on this. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought the the ending of this movie was pretty cool. Uh, that they used the uh, um, electro gremlin uh, as the weapon to kill all of them. Because uh-huh. the original idea was just to have them rush out, like set the clocks differently and have them rush out into the street and they'd all, you know, kill themselves because they were in direct sunlight. But then it starts raining uh, 
And then they come up with a plan to just electrocute them all, you know? Uh, so, you know, this, uh, electricity is just zigzagging through all that, uh, through all the, um, gremlins and they're all like melting and, you know, yeah, so you much have like melting. a wicked witch. Yeah. A wicked witch version, you know, I'm melting, I'm melting. Uh, and then, um, uh, I don't know. I just thought like that was a uh, pretty cool idea. But my question also is, you know, what happened to that? That gremlin is that gremlin just out in the ether now, like raining havoc on other families, or <laughs> other buildings. Like what happened to the electrified gremlin, you know? Uh, and um, then there's. Uh, yeah, well, he would have to go somewhere. Right. I, I guess. Un- unless he just zapped through so many gremlins that he kind of dissipated. Maybe. Cause, cause that thing would be unstoppable. <laughs> right. Like it's so fast. It would just be completely unstoppable. Right. But Greta's still out there. They, they didn't get her. She was the only one not in the lobby. Cause, uh, she, well, she, uh, that... it's so creepy. Cause she's up in the bathroom with number two, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's like, I guess I can have sex with her and marry her. You know, <laughs> like, what? That's Stockholm Syndrome uh, for you. <laughs> Man, I... See, nowadays, people would say that Gremlin sexually harassed him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I mean, the amount of, uh, you know, he's got multiple... Uh, kisses from lipstick on his face. His pants are definitely torn off, you know. Uh, well, he's still got his pants on, but they're, like they're kind of half ripped off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that might be sexual assault from a gremlin. Uh, but then, you know, uh, it, it certainly would have been with the flasher. Yeah, it certainly would have been with the flasher. <laughs> yeah. And and they even kind of did a call yeah, back she, to that, and then she just gives him the old football punt. <laughs> that 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 was clearly in response to some criticism, <laughs> I'm sure. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah. Then, like the uh, one of the funny moments also was um. Oh um, I can never remember names of the characters. The guy that comes to visit that gets the claw, the back claw to the head. Um, Futter, what's his Futterman. name? Mr. Futterman. Futterman. So he that, is going that's, that's to get Dick something Miller. for Billy. Dick Miller. Uh, so Futterman's going to get something and he walks by a trash can and in comes, <laughs> out comes the gremlin. And, you know, scares Futterman. But then the gremlin just like hawks up a loogie and spits it on his face. <laughs> like, I don't know of like all the things to do it. That struck me as like particularly funny, you know, cause of like a gremlin, I would imagine has a whole bunch of options of how they're going to terrorize a victim. And this one gremlins, you know, just like, I'm just going to spit in this guy's face. Yeah. That's just rude. <laughs> it is rude. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Like with everything together, I still got to say, I like this one better. I like the tone of it a lot better than the first one. Uh, the first one, um, I remember it terrifying me as a kid, uh, especially at the end when end of the first one, the, that gremlin stripe is like just decaying, 
like crazy, you know? And I mean that to see that as a kid, it's kind of terrifying. And, and the, the whole overall tone, um, of the first gremlins was much darker. And, uh, with this one, it seems like as good of a story to tell, but there's just a lot more fun to be had. Um, it, it's definitely more so, colorful. And, yeah. and like, like we touched on the, you know, the original was much more of a horror movie and this certainly is not uh, probably not child appropriate. Though, but. Oh no. Like the first one was one of the movies that uh, was uh, helped uh, the uh, rating system have a PG 13 movie um, or a PG 13 rating. Uh, because of it. And, the, you know, this one was also rated PG-13. Um, there were a few movies that came out kind of in like close succession that made it so they needed to have a, a, a another rating system that it didn't go from PG to R, you know, that because there was stuff that was, you know, in the gray area between those ratings and Gremlins, the first one, although it has a PG rating. Uh you know, they had, to, they had to make a new rating systems because of these types of gray area movies. Yeah. Temple um, of Doom is one of those movies, too. Is it? OK. And I thought that there was another one. Well, I think like Jaws, right? Like, no, that no, one. Jaws, Jaws was so much earlier than that. OK. Yeah, because Jaws was 70. But yeah, there's a there's a well, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that there was a few movies like in a couple year time frame that. Yeah you know, helped get a PG 13 rating. Yeah. So. And, and Spielberg was a big push behind that, which, you know, being that he made temple of doom, you know, he was kind of like, ah, okay, you know, we, we really need something in between here. So he, he was actually a big proponent proponent of that. Okay. Um, so I guess like, what are your final thoughts on this one? Did you, I mean, you like it, you know, but, uh, was there anything you wanted to add? Or anything we didn't cover yet? Um, no, I, I think we we covered most of it pretty well. I I prefer the first one, but the second one's a lot of fun and it's worth uh, coming back to every couple of years. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of, especially if you like puppets and effects and all that kind of stuff. It's a it's a real feast of all, all these crazy animatronic puppets like right in that you know heartbeat before cgi right. took over right um i i like the alan's character too with uh yeah the the i don't remember his name in the movie but uh the, the vampire that becomes a newscaster <laughs> right that was definitely kind of a fad that was on its way out because i remember seeing a couple of those not necessarily with a horror host but like the weekend horror show and yeah, that kind of stuff doesn't exist anymore. So it's um, it's cool. Well, to, Joe Bob Briggs is doing his thing on Shutter, you know, uh, hosting. After how many years of not having one? I mean, that, that's kind of what <laughs> right. I'm saying. You know, like the, those things aren't really around. The horror host is kind of a bygone thing. It is. It's unfortunate because I, I mean, I really enjoyed them. The only one that I I watched a lot was Joe Bob Briggs with like Monster Vision, and then there was like another incarnation with him as the host, but I don't remember what it was called. Um, Monster vision was cool. Spe speaking of Ted Turner, cause it's a TNT thing. 
um, my my buddy Mark taped all the Friday the Thirteenth movies off TV, and 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 it was a monster vision, and that's how I originally saw it. And I I remember he was he was losing his crap. Uh, Joe Bob was because they didn't have the rights to Part Four. So he, he kind of does like this whole bit where he kind of like picks up an axe and goes into the control room and it's like, why there, there's crucial plot points in part four. Why don't we have this? <laughs> he still does that stuff in the last drive in on shutter. Cool. Uh, like, and he still has the same type of cadence where it sounds like he's wrapping up like a, a sentence or like a topic that he was talking about. And so it's kind of like a longer pause, like you're going to cut back into the movie. Right. And then it's like a camera shifts. It's like a new camera. And then he just starts talking again. You know, these like weird kind of pauses like that are intentional, but they're kind of funny, you know, because you expect that the movie's going to start up because it sounds like, oh, they're cutting. But he's going to continue talking about whatever it is he's talking about. Yeah. And he'll just so, launch off know, and I, do a Hey, oh, hey, by the way. Yeah, they still do the same thing of like, you know, statistical analysis of like things that happened, you know, like, you know, three torn limbs or whatever, you know, uh, which it's it's fun. It's good fun. I'm glad that four stars you know, is every movie four stars still. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's smart that Shutter of all places did that, you know, because it's a horror. It's a horror streaming service you know uh it's great that they were smart enough to put that together and that he was willing to do it you know so um yeah the man uh i wanted to bring up this they in 2013 they were talking about making a third one with all the characters what i mean that's seven years ago at this point but what do you think about like new gremlins movies do you think it would be able to like carry on the same type of magic do you think like you'd want to see them with see a new gremlins movie with the old cast or like do something similar to like ghostbusters you know where it's like they're gonna have the new cast in it but not as like primary characters or well, uh, the old i don't cast know in it. i i know what you're getting at I, I think the jury's still out on ghostbusters just because we would have seen it had it not been postponed thanks to right world events um, right. I, I don't know. I, I think with Gremlins 2, they had a long gap between the two because they didn't know how to continue the series. And then they kind of put painted themselves into a corner where it's like, OK, you know, how, how, how do you carry on after this? Um, so I, I'm I would kind of rather not see another one if um, there's really nothing to add to the conversation. You know, because like Alien and Aliens kind of, you know, pe people always say Alien 3 ruined the franchise, but Aliens ruined the franchise because it's a brilliant movie. It's a brilliant <laughs> movie, but it kind of said everything that needed to be said, you know, so everything after that was the letdown that it was always going to be. So looking at it through that lens, if we just have the two movies, if Gremlins 2 kind of said the rest of it, you know, if they can't bring anything else meaningful to the table and it's just a, a nostalgia kick, I'd rather just watch the other movies. See, I don't 
I, I going to aliens. I got to disagree with you um, that it's it it's the reason why there aren't great movies in the alien franchise beyond that. Simply because, like, if you look at like the expanded universe, now a lot of the comic books and novels aren't great, but if they took a lot of elements from all of them, you'd have a pretty compelling story to tell between uh, uh, Ripley, Newt, and Hicks in the future because it's like there's there's like direct like sequels to alien that aren't alien three like just rip out alien three and everything beyond it and then they started uh there was like a time jump with newt so like newt's an adult you know and then like you know who uh hicks and uh ripley are significantly older and those stories could be told and I think they'd be very compelling, you know, uh, but with, you know, I think that that was ruined with the decision to kill Newton Hicks off camera, not to go too much deeper into this, but I'm just saying like that there could be a much more compelling universe. And I don't, I don't, I can't agree with that. Aliens is, is, a is problematic in the way that, you know, it wraps up storytelling. Now, I, I, I do. I, I think it's a mic drop moment where if if you just left it there, her story's done. You got a complete story. Um, I, you know, I, I think the. One of the big problems was trying to keep Sigourney Weaver in it because she was the only returning character. And I, I think that's where a lot of those problems, not that they couldn't have had further adventures, but, you know, I just kind of feel like it, it's been done. It's been said and. Back to Gremlins, I would rather, <laughs> right. uh, as much as I like those For characters, sure. I, I would just rather them leave it at just the two movies. Because like Terminator 2 even kind of had the same thing. Because, you know, Terminator 1 is a different tone to Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is kind of a, you know, mic drop. This is the ultimate statement on this. I, I don't know if Gremlins 2 is the ultimate statement, but it, it kind of like everything that was left unsaid in the first movie, they definitely exploited in in the in the second one and again you know just like alien aliens terminator terminator 2 gremlins 1 gremlins 2 you know they're different movies so they they went and did something different so i don't know i i think it'd be hard for them to continue it'd have to be one of those like reboot deboot kind of things where they soft <laughs> reintroduce right. it to the audience and right I, I i don't have the patience for that man like you know <laughs> uh yeah i mean i don't know i would like to see more it's just gonna be just a worse because, version of what you've already seen well yeah i mean i think like that that could be that that's that'd be the number one problem is rehashing you know what's already been seen and it being a lesser of what we've already seen you know but if there was a way to do it that was you know fun and entertaining and something fresh and new like the first and second ones of gremlins. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it. Um, it but you know, one <laughs> hell of an elevator pitch. That's, that's, that's my final <laughs> thought sure. on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd still like to see it, but who knows? It probably never happened since like <laughs> the gas on it coming out kind of like, you know, is gone. Uh, they kind of, People were excited about it, you know, seven years ago, but nothing ever happened. Probably for, you know, 
for many reasons, but yeah, when everything from the uh, was being remade. Right. I got to say this was a rewatching. This was a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, it was a movie I grew up with, but hadn't seen. And even though, I mean, it's gotta be within a decade that I had seen it, but I just didn't remember the nuances that much of this one as, you know, as seeing it. So it's nice to see something like seeing something that you had seen before, but it's still fresh uh, because I just didn't remember that much of it. Um, So I thought this was like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, A lot of funny moments for me. So yeah, I I like this one a lot. Um, I I think people will know what they're in for. So I I don't think they'll hold it against you too much. And if they do, they can write in their complaints at. (laughs) I don't even have an email set up for this. So I guess, yeah, just at me. Yeah, good. Just blow it up on your, on your Instagram or your... <laughs> yeah. Send, yeah. Send us um, your, your gremlins to elevator pitches. For sure. Um, There's so many angry but, fans out there right now because there's like so many names we forgot and, and didn't mention. Uh, yeah, that one guy well, kind of <laughs> looks like uh, the monster <laughs> character. Dude. Okay, seriously. I... And this is not this one episode, but I can barely remember characters names, uh, even in movies that I've seen countless times. Like I have to describe them and be like, I I can't. And then sometimes I can't even remember the actor's name. And then on top of that, I might just be, you know, stupid that day and just can't remember their name, even though I know their name, you know. You know, like a performance anxiety type of thing. <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> but anyways, we should probably wrap this up. Um, uh, you have anything fun, anything cool you're working on, want to share, wanted to want to talk about that's not Gremlins related or oh, world ending related (laughs) sorry someone's really knocking knocking dishes around back there um oh no not not at the moment um you know i i think i've pitched uh rise of the dead enough i'll I'll give that a break uh even though that's my most recent thing it is the 20th anniversary of bombastic entertainment and that was kind of the um that's my production company so we've we've been out there making movies and uh just kind of having adventures laughing like mental patients <laughs> having <laughs> criminal amounts of fun um we produced uh retrospective it's a feature length retrospective and you can find that on my youtube channel there's a, a lot of stuff that's in there that hasn't seen the light of day because i actually went through and redigitized all these old tapes like 90 some tapes that i i had that i've been meaning to get on a hard drive for a while um and, and just haven't so un, un, until now so uh, but you know, one of the things people always ask me is like, you know, how do you, how do you get started making movies? And so we kind of did something similar at the 10 year anniversary, cause I do think there's value in putting your story out there. And, you know, I got some comments, some good comments on that. Like, you know, someone's parent wrote me and said, you know, my kid found your thing and he makes movies now cause he saw it on YouTube. Um, wow. so, you know, that's cool. And that's, um, 
you know, always flattering to, to be thought of that way. But uh, we've just come so far and grown so much. And, and I think, you know, putting that out there, warts and all kind of like, you know, your history, um, there's value to be had in that because I think it's very empowering for people to see, well, you know, like, well, that moron can do it. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> so can I. And then from that point, creativity is infectious. So um, I, I would have liked to have done another uh project for the 20th anniversary i I don't know if we'll be able to do that given the current world situation because you know filmmaking is a team sport and getting people together is not really a safe thing to do right now but i'm very grateful that we got that retrospective out there and we got to have our live event in yeah that moment before everything went on pause right on march because we had an event in a theater um showing clips of this retrospective that I'm talking about, but also some of the movies in their entirety. And, and people had a good time. Um, it, it was really no, cool it was to see a those great time up, up on the screen again, a, where they, you know, deserve to be. So. Um, and you're totally right because it was like, what would you say? Like two to three weeks after uh, th- this event, where it was like everything just shut down, you know? Uh, and yeah, it, it was March 4th. We had the live event and we shut down on the 15th here in Michigan where, where we were at. Just crazy. But it was a great time. Uh, it was for me, it was uh, it was great to look back on everything that you had accomplished because you experienced the things as like if you know someone who's who's creative, that's, you know, putting their stuff out there, you see it as it comes out. Right. So but you don't experience like, well, I guess you don't get to relive that time frame, you know, in like a short amount of time because, you know, hey, I finished this project. It's done. And then, you know, months go by and like, here's my new project that I'm working on. But to see them, you know, all together you know, and like this happened and this and this and this, it's, it's a really nice experience because there's many times where as an outsider looking in, you don't, you understand that the person like you, I understand that you put a lot of effort into it, right? Because it's like, we talk about it, you know, you're doing a lot of things, but then to see it all out on the table, it's like, holy, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's impressive. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. It was uh, it, it was a pretty big challenge. You know, there, there's a lot of moving pieces there to kind of find a through line in, in all this chaos. And I, I think the theatrical presentation was probably a little bit of a, of a more streamlined experience than, um, than the, the retrospective. But we also talk about a lot more in the retrospective, too, because both of those were 90 minute presentations. And there was only about 30 minutes of the retrospective in the actual, it might have been like 25 minutes in the theatrical presentation versus more of the nitty gritty and how this led to that. And one thing snowballed and led to this and that and the other. And there were even things that I didn't get a chance to talk about because (laughs) at this point, there's just been so much and I, I feel so privileged and and it always humbles me to think about it where it's like wow you know you finally gotten to that point where i've forgotten 
more stuff than people, most people have the chance to do. And right. The fact that I get to keep doing it is um, just such a blessing at, at any level. Um, so that's it. Um, I'm, I'm done gushing and rambling, but uh, <laughs> check that out. It, it, it's yeah, cool. Please do. Especially if you're interested in, you know, behind the scenes and nuts and bolts stuff. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of that in there. That's that's our 20 year retrospective. And uh, you can find that on my Bombastic Entertainment channel on YouTube. What's what's on deck? What are you doing? Uh, I um, it's still like this. I'm just producing. I feel like uh, it, it, it's weird. Um, I feel like this covid 19 had a weird effect on me and not in a in a depressing way. Like, don't get me wrong. What we're experiencing is stressing everyone out. Right. But for me, it had this weird thing of like simplifying what I need to do and what's important. Right. And it made me like very quickly reevaluate what's important and also like energized me to create more. Like maybe I haven't maybe I can produce more or do different things as far as like illustration goes or whatever, you know, movie posters or things that I had thought about, you know, and you know, we, I've talked about like screen printing and how that's going. And it's kind of like opened up this like area in my head of like kind of wanting to take more risks on, in a, in a way that I haven't wanted to do or just didn't think was feasible for a long time. So, you know, a few days ago I, um, was kind of bored and, but wanted to design something. So I kind of like remade, uh, an outpost 31 poster from the thing, you know, and I had an outpost 31 poster, like a travel poster that I'd made a long time ago. Um, it's not, it wasn't, a piece of artwork that I was like really enthusiastic about. Like at the time, I think I did an okay job as time has gone on. It's like, I look back on that one piece of artwork. I don't really like it that much. So I thought, nah, I might as well like jump back into it and see if I can like make it better. But with the screen printing thing, it's like, I wanted to do it with one color. The design turned out really well. Um, and I, I'm pretty happy with it. So I posted on like social media, you know, I posted the image like, Hey, you know, made this last night. And this was over, I made this piece over uh, Memorial day. Uh, Cause you know, everyone is normally we're doing something on Memorial day. Like uh, my family is, it's like a holiday. So we try to get together and have like a barbecue or something, but you know, cause of this, everyone's just kind of like, I'm not doing anything, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, as it should be during this situation. So, you know, I spent the day doing that and people's responses were like, oh, I'd love to see that on a T-shirt or on like a, a screen printed poster. So now it's like, OK, well, let me <laughs> research that stuff. And it turns out like from the last time that I researched, like how much garments cost and all of that on a wholesale level, like it's dramatically decreased. So now it becomes more feasible that I can like branch out into these other avenues. So that's what I plan on doing, like um, making apparel and like screen printed posters, not just like the notebooks. So the notebooks have been more or less like a test run. Like, can I do this? The answer is yes. Like, do I like doing it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, cause 
I, I was talking to my friend Chris about it and I was like, you know, I want to learn how to screen print, but I don't even know if I'm going to like it. It's one thing to test something out and then you don't like it. Do you want to keep putting yourself in that situation where you're doing something that you don't like to do? So I didn't even know if I was going to enjoy screen printing, but I do. So, uh, that's what I've been focusing on, uh, is now like looking at that Avenue, like getting things and equipment ready to do like apparel designs. So the one thing that's holding me back right now is I ordered a, a screen printing press for apparel that's, you know, designed to make apparel and you know, it's, it's a non-essential item, you know? Oh yeah. So I ordered it, uh, on the one, uh, it would have been the day after Memorial day. So what day would that have fallen on? Like the date. So it's been about a week from recording this and it's not coming until the ninth. <laughs> so like two weeks to ship from Ohio. All right. Jeez. <laughs> so, um, but that's what I'm focusing on is, uh, you know, like being able to expand what I do creatively, like learning a new skill set, uh, is where I'm going. And that's what I mean by like the COVID-19 had a weird way of like simplifying things for me. Like, why not start doing the stuff that it's like, I always thought, Oh, that would be cool to do. Why not start doing them? You know, because, you know, everyone's locked away in their houses or their homes. They can't really go out and do much. I'm in the same boat where it's like, I, you know, don't want to keep doing the same thing. And I kind of want to use this time wisely. So, yeah, that's a roundabout way. Like I'm going to be getting into, you know, apparel design uh, and screen printing them. So I'm not going to say when that's going to become available, but it's going to be relatively soon. Um, I'm one of those uh, people that doesn't like to put something out unless it's a very good quality. So there's going to be some testing phases in there for me to make sure that what I'm putting out there as far as a design goes especially that it's on apparel that it's coming out and it's a really good quality. So bear with me on that, but, uh, that will be somewhere in the near future. So that's what I've been working on. That's right what now. I've been doing with my time. Yeah. It's been fun. It's exciting. I haven't had like excitement. Uh, I, I don't want to say this in a bad way. I always have pride and I get excited about creating new artwork because it's fun for me and I love doing it. But it's a different type of excitement to learn a new skill, to get proficient enough at it where you can start then putting that out in the world. You know, that's a different level of excitement for me, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, that's what I'm doing with my time. <laughs> so I'm excited about it. <laughs> it is. The, the TLDR a lot. <laughs> yes. TLDR. What are you doing? A lot of things. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up this one. Uh, as always, guys, uh, thanks for listening. If you've gotten this far, if you haven't <laughs> discontinued or stopped listening, uh, we appreciate you. And I hope everyone's uh, being as safe as they possibly can and staying healthy. So yeah. Very sure. Very sure. Um, Till next time. That's, that's another episode in the bag. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>